0: So let's take our Bibles go to John chapter 1, John chapter 1, good to have Brother Max and Sister Rachel Robinson here with us this morning and their family, and they've come to celebrate with the, the Burtons their 50th, and uh, pray for Max that he will get right with God and agree to preach tonight. How many of you would like to hear Brother Max Robinson preach tonight? All right. Let me just forget the hands. Let me just hear you say "Amen" on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen. All right, you just pray about it, brother. <laughs> no pressure. Just pray about it. All right, John chapter one, and John chapter one and verse seventeen. For the law was given by Moses, but, and that word "but" sets things in contrast but grace and truth came by jesus christ the law is given by moses what does the law do the law shows us that we're wrong when you get pulled over by a police officer and he tells you you've been speeding he'll say you were going x miles per hour in a speed zone that is a different lower miles per hour show you the signs cite you the law And that law is not there to get you off the hook, it's actually to get you caught on the hook. And that's really what the law does to us, folks. So if you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I don't need to be saved, I don't need Jesus Christ as my Savior, I don't need this born-again business that I've been hearing Christians talk about, because I'm keeping the Ten Commandments and I'm doing well, I can guarantee you this morning, you're not keeping all ten. And chances are, you can't name them in order. More often than not, when I meet somebody that believes they're gonna get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments, uh, they generally can't even name the Ten Commandments. Folks, the law just shows us where we're in violation against God. It just magnifies our sin. So, So John puts the law in contrast to the grace of Jesus Christ here, In verse 17 for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ and so we're talking about some New Testament words that talk about our salvation in relationship to this broader context of the law bringing us under condemnation and Jesus Christ bringing us grace and truth Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the Father but by me. These words are important Bible words that relate to our standing with God. Words such as justification, imputation, adoption, redemption, propitiation, reconciliation, regeneration, salvation, sanctification, remission, and glorification. We talked about justification, how God, by a judicial act, declares us just before him as a result of what Christ did for us we talked about imputation how God imputes to us gives to the credit of us his righteousness through Jesus Christ the Bible says for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him imputed righteousness as a result of that, we are adopted into, this, into the family of God. And that we talked about the subject of adoption. It's legal, it's judicial, it's something that takes place in God's courtroom, which means that we are redeemed. And we talked about redemption to buy back. And the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sins, in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. Then we talked about propitiation, and that's the payment made to bring back two parties that are at enmity with each other. And Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins. Christ is the mediator of this propitiation, and he is the propitiation himself. And as a result of that, we experience reconciliation with God. It's a result of the propitiation that God himself provided for us that there might be peace between him and I. Now each of these words up to this point has to do with something that's been done for us or to us and it's mostly legal and judicial. But then we talked about regeneration, being born again, which is something that happens inside of us. And our spirit is born again. This is done in us. And we begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those nine fruit. And because of those nine fruit of the Spirit, we can become new creatures in Christ. We become new people. And so we hear testimonies of radical change. Where someone's life had been totally entwined and, and caught up in vice and hopelessness. And because they met Jesus Christ, everything was turned around. Why? Because we're born again. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. And we become new creation in Jesus Christ. Now I want to talk to you about another word that we use all the time. And it's the broadest word of all of these shun words. And that's the word salvation. Salvation. Salvation is at the core of of what this meeting is all about this morning salvation is at the core of what we are as christians salvation is at the core of what the church is all about and and paul tells timothy that the church is the um pillar and ground of the truth and the truth the truth is salvation is what the church is all about If it weren't for salvation, we wouldn't be here together with each other. If it wasn't for salvation, we wouldn't have a purpose. Folks, just the social aspect of church is not enough. The worship aspect of church is absolutely imperative. It's important. We come together to worship God. But we also come together to encourage one another to take the gospel all around us to everywhere we go, including all of the world. And that's why we were talking about missions. Why do we have missions? Because people in third world countries are underprivileged. They need fresh water. They need food. They need other things. Uh, That's not really the primary mission of missions. The primary mission is to bring them salvation through Jesus Christ. The word salvation means to save or to salvage. The act of saving, preserving from destruction, danger, or great calamity. Now, this is where the word saved comes from. When we say someone got saved, I met somebody who was a professing Christian one time that said, I don't like that word saved. Well then, if you don't like the word saved, then you don't like a word that God uses to describe your salvation. Because that's what it's about. You were lost and you're saved. You're on your way to hell and now you're on your way to heaven. You went from great calamity, as the definition states, to great glory as a result of the great salvation that God has given us in Jesus Christ. It's comprehensive. It's past, it's present, it's future. We're saved from the penalty of sin. That's past. That's already accomplished and taken care of. We are being saved daily uh, by from the presence of sin. And that's present salvation. The fact of a changed life. The fact of being able to turn our back on the world and the flesh and the devil and to walk with God in newness of life. And then future salvation is that we will someday be saved from the presence of sin. There will be no more sin in the environment. Folks, heaven is a perfect place. Heaven is something beyond our comprehension. The Bible says... Eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And so salvation is comprehensive, past, present, and future. Here's just a few New Testament examples. Acts chapter 4. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved." Acts twenty-eight, the Bible says, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. Romans chapter one says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The Bible tells us in Romans ten, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your personal salvation, as your personal savior, then what you're missing is the most important thing that you could have. And that's what we're talking about this morning: is salvation. And how do we get that salvation? (coughs) It's not through the church. It's not through the waters of baptism. It's not through good works. It's not through keeping the laws we've already discussed. It's by throwing our case upon Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day and defeated and conquered death and hell and sin itself in our behalf to save us from great calamity. He'll change your life now. And he'll give you an eternal destination that's absolutely glorious with him in heaven. This is what we call salvation. The Bible says in Romans 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall, God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. Romans chapter 13 says, And that knowing the time, (coughs) that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation... Nearer than when we believed. 2 Corinthians 6 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in, the, in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 7 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of this world worketh death. Ephesians 1 says, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 6 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Philippians 2 says, wherefore, my beloved... As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. First Thessalonians five said, "But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of love, um, of the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation." First Thessalonians chapter five also says, "For God hath not appointed us to wrath." but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Hebrews chapter 2 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Folks, without the salvation that the Bible offers us by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, there is no escaping. There is no escaping. We can't escape through religion. We can't escape through philosophy. Some people think that they're very clever and they've argued God out of existence. A fellow said one time, I don't believe in God. I said back to him, I said, God doesn't believe in you. The Bible only addresses atheism twice, and he addresses it the same way both times. He says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Nobody believes there isn't a God. You have to convince yourself of that. I've come to the conclusion nobody really believes evolution. You have to want to. To adhere to that position because no logic or reason will go along with the idea of everything just coming out of nothing as a great big accident. There is a God and we are accountable to Him and our conscience bears witness that we've we've violated His holy law. The Word of God bears witness that we have violated his holy law. Even society itself, in many ways, bears witness to the fact we have violated his holy law. And the only way <coughs> to be saved from the calamity of dying in our sins without God and spending an eternity paying for sins against an eternal God is to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and be saved and experience that salvation. That's why Paul says in Hebrews 2, he says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hebrews 5 says, And being made perfect, He, Jesus Christ, became the author of eternal salvation. Hebrews chapter 6 says, But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. So the question becomes one of, well, if I get saved, then what's the business of going to church? What's the business of fellowship? What's the business of service? These are things that accompany salvation. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter 1 also says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. 2nd Peter chapter 3 says an account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. The long suffering of our Lord is salvation. God is long suffering with us. He's patient and he's kind. There's been many a scoffer who has rejected the word of God. There's many a scoffer who has mocked salvation. And God in his patience continued to work with him, brought circumstances into his life, brought people into his life, brought the conviction of the Holy Spirit into his heart, and that man turned from his sins and trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. I am sure there are very few of us here this morning that got saved the first time we heard the gospel. I know I wasn't one of them. I heard the gospel over and over and over again over a period of six to nine months. I rejected it so many times I can't count until God and his long-suffering, his grace reached my heart and I realized that I was opposing myself and I turned from my sins and I turned from my religion to trust Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. The long-suffering of God is salvation. Jude The Bible says in verse 3 Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. We are to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, not once delivered and then lost. And reclaimed by Joseph Smith. But the, the, the salvation that was once, the common salvation, the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Folks, God completed the canon of Scripture when he gave us the book of Revelation. And nothing has been lost, folks. He has preserved his word He has preserved his gospel. He has preserved his church. He said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And nothing needs to be reclaimed or redelivered. It just needs to be rebroadcast. And we are to contend for that faith that was once delivered to the saints. Revelation chapter 12 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, (coughs) Now is salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Notice that salvation is connected to the demise of Satan. And I'm looking forward to the day when God throws him into a lake of fire, locks the door, and then puts away the key. I am looking forward to when the works of the devil will completely cease in the lives of lost people, in the lives of God's people, in the governments of the world, in society around us, and in our lives personally. I am looking forward to the time where the devil makes a big splash in the lake of fire instead of a big splash in religion. He makes a big splash in the lake of fire instead of the, a big splash in the area of politics. He makes a big splash in the lake of fire instead of a big splash in the area of morals. And the Bible says our salvation is connected to that. He says in Revelation 12, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength And the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Martin Luther in the 1500s, who led the Protestant Reformation, was a character. And he would wrestle with the devil, and sometimes he would blurt out, All right, Saint Satan. He says, I guess you're doing really good with God, aren't you? What was he responding to? He was responding to the accusations of Satan and turning the tables on him. And then finally, in Revelation chapter 19, the Bible says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. And folks, in the end, in the end, And this is a destroyer of humanistic mentality and philosophy, even among Christians. But in the end, salvation is more about God than it is about us. The Bible says salvation is of the Lord, and God saved us to bring him glory and honor in time and in eternity. Now, I'm glad I get in on it. But when it comes to it, salvation is really to bring him glory and honor And the fact that he's going to defeat Satan finally and forever validates not only our salvation, but validates Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in the end, that's the most important contest in all of the world, in all of history, that God defeats Satan. Light supplants darkness forever. There is no dualism, folks. There are no two eternal principles, good and evil, working against each other. Evil has a beginning. It started with Lucifer falling and becoming Satan. And evil has an end when God puts him into the lake of fire forever. And God will rule supreme throughout eternity. This is only part of what salvation is all about, folks. We are saved from our sins past, the penalty of our sins, forever. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, the good news is you will never go to judgment for the penalty of your sins again. It will not happen. The religious concept of the judgment uh, after we die, that we get up there and God weighs our good works against our bad works, that is just not a biblical principle, folks. The Bible says, "...he that hath the Son hath life." Do you have the Son of God this morning? Let me see your hand. Do you have the Son of God this morning? All right, then the Bible says you have life. You're not waiting for it, you have it. And then the Bible says, He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's really that simple. It doesn't say he that is a Baptist. And then he that is not a Baptist, it does not say he that is a Catholic and he that is not a Catholic. It doesn't say he that is a Mormon and he that is not a Mormon. It just says he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And then he goes on to say these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Eternal life is a present possession, folks. It's a present possession. That's what's meant by salvation. And so we that know Christ as our personal Savior, who have been born again, whom God has imputed righteousness to us in the person of Christ, we say that we are saved. This is why we say we're saved. We don't say we save saved because we think we're better than other people. We don't, think we're sa- we, we don't say we believe we're saved because we think we did enough works to merit that. We say we're saved on the merits of what Jesus did for us. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so if you're here this morning in this building, or you're looking in on live stream and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, this is an opportunity for you. The Bible says today is the day. The Bible says now is the time to do this. You say, why today and why now? Why the urgency? Because you don't know how long of life you have. You know, we we talk about people living from being born on a a certain year to living to a certain year, and then there's a little hyphen in between, and really that little hyphen represents their whole life. Whether that means five years or 10 years or 50 years or 100 years, that little hyphen represents their entire life. And we know when we were born, but we don't know what that other number is going to be. We don't have any guarantees on that thing. So God says, now is a time. Today is the day to get saved. You don't know if you have tomorrow. And there's no sense in risking eternity on it. There's no sense in playing games and said, well, I'll, I'll think about it again some other time. If God has spoken to your heart this morning and you know you need to be saved, you know you need to trust Christ as your Savior, you know your religion isn't going to get you to heaven. And folks, whatever that religion is, if it hasn't given you assurance of salvation already, it's not going to do it any time in the future. You don't need religion. You need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And today is your day to get saved. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. And we're talking to everybody here in the building and everybody that might be looking in live stream And just a moment ago, you weren't able to raise your hand, indicating that you know Christ. You might be religious, you might not. You might be trying to get to heaven. Maybe it hasn't even mattered to you or occurred to you until recently. But the bottom line is God has you here right now, speaking to your heart. This is a divine appointment. This is a holy moment in your life. And God wants to save you the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance but he will not force himself upon you you must make the decision you must decide and right now is that moment that holy moment in which you can trust Christ as your personal Savior you can say to God right now as your head is bowed and your eyes are closed And you're talking to him and really that's what prayer is all about just talking to him and just say Lord I know I'm a sinner I know I need to be saved I have violated your holy law my conscience has made that clear to me the Word of God this morning has borne witness to that and I believe what your word says that you gave me a gift in Jesus Christ who died for my sins, was buried and rose again from the dead, and wants right now to give me salvation, I, by your grace, am going to call upon him to be my Savior. I'm asking him to be my Savior at this moment, my advocate, my mediator, my Savior from my sin. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you call upon him even right now the best way you know how? God's not worried about fancy words articulated with all kinds of great religious sounds. He's concerned about the attitude of your heart. Does your heart have an attitude of repentance? You're turning away from your sin to God and trusting His Son to be your Savior. He wants to be your advocate this morning. He wants to be the one that goes to court for you, that argues in your favor to be the payment for your sins you can't pay for them yourself either through religion or good works you can't keep those Ten Commandments they condemn you the only hope you have is in Jesus Christ and by the very definition of salvation to be saved from a calamity a calamity of spending an eternity without God experiencing his wrath in a place called hell you don't want to take that chance That's why the Bible says, now is the time, and today is the day. Father, thank you for your word. Pray, Lord, you would just take these biblical truths, apply them to our hearts. For those of us that know you, may we be more grateful. May we leave this place more open, more outspoken, more outed for you, telling others about a wonderful Savior, telling about a wonderful salvation, And Lord, for those without Christ, that even now, they would in their hearts turn their case over to their Savior, Christ, the one who's knocking at the door of their heart, waiting to come in. Lord, may they decide for Thee. May they turn from their sins. And may they trust Christ as their personal Savior. Whether they're looking in on live stream this morning, Lord, or here in this building, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 373. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you'd like to come, have somebody at the altar work with you, answer any questions you might have, have a word of prayer with you to get this matter settled, we're here to help as we sing.
1: I found and a friend
0: Come up here and close us in a word of prayer, please. All right. We'll meet again tonight at 545. Thanks for being here this morning. And if you don't know Christ as your personal savior, tag one of us and we'll take the time to go through things with you, answer any questions you might have, and get it settled.
1: Let's pray. Father, we have much to be thankful for this morning. And Lord, uh, we appreciate the message about your salvation that you've given and offered. Lord, uh, to be honest, we really can't fathom the magnitude of uh, what you've got in store and what happened to us really that day that we did get saved. One day our faith will become sight and we'll see the wonderful wonderful things that you've done for us and uh, we'll have one to thank and that's our lord and savior jesus christ and uh, we sure appreciate lord the message we appreciate the church and uh, lord we look forward to uh, a good day on this day that you've given and we pray in jesus name amen